Father in heaven, we are thankful for this camp meeting. We're thankful for the opportunity to have meetings that encourage our walk with you. And today we're going to be encouraging our marriages. Please understand me. The topic today, Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us and to bless each one of us that we will be more understanding, understanding of your will, understanding of your power in our marriages, and understanding of one another as husband and wife. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please understand me. <laughs> now you know that each of us in the marriage wants to be understood. I don't have to ask you if you want to be understood. We all want to be understood. The problem is, or the problem that arises, is that sometimes we just want to be understood, not realizing that she would like to be understood too. And we talked about the me focus yesterday, for those that, that were here. In the me focus, I just want to be understood, and as long as you understand me, then I feel understood. Is this one, uh, this one's... Hello, 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 hello. It's green. It's on, it's just not... It's on, but it's just not loud. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll get that here. I'm done. I, I lost... They didn't hear you. I forgot what I said. <laughs> yeah, she wants to be understood, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's okay. what I want to be understood. <laughs> so... I want it to be understood, too. <laughs> And so the, the beauty of, of the gospel and of surrender to the lordship of Jesus is that in the golden rule, you remember what the golden rule says? It says that we ought to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us, right? And when we're really tuned into the Lord, it isn't just please understand me, it's... I want to also understand you, right? That's right. Yours working yet? Am I working? Okay, I'm working. Oh, there it is. Okay. That's good. Not as loud as this one, but... Well, you talk louder than I do. I okay. talk louder. <laughs> Go ahead. We have had too many times in our marriage dips where there was a lack of understanding and when that happens there's feelings and emotions that accompany that and then sometimes if we don't deal with it right away they continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more ugly and we actually got to points in our marriage uh, it hasn't happened for a long time but we got to points in our marriage where we we would just avoid certain topics because we knew from past history that they always brought conflict and heart, heartache. And today we want to tell you the good news is that we don't have to do that anymore, and neither do you. There can be any topic about our relationship that we can talk through. Nothing has to go 
shoved away in the closet anymore. And that can be for all of us here today, because we're going to be talking about the fundamentals of learning how to understand one another, and most importantly, how the power of God works in our hearts so that we can go outside of our human abilities and experience the joy that God brings in the harmony in the relationship. I want to tell you a simple, a very short and simple story, but it's very illustrative. And it is true, this one doesn't happen to be our story, but we have plenty of our own stories that you'll hear through the week. But this one is somebody else's story that, that we have been uh, allowed to share. One day, this gentleman, uh, he wasn't actually acting much like a gentleman at this moment, but he walked into the kitchen and his wife is frying a couple of eggs on the stovetop. And he comes right over her shoulder and he said, watch out, flip those things, they're going to burn. You don't have enough oil in the pan. Turn them quick. They're too long on that side. You never listen to me when you're in the kitchen. And his wife turns around and says to him, what in the world is going on with you? You don't think I can fry a couple of eggs? And he said, well, I, I've, I've been looking for a way to somehow get you to understand how I feel when I'm driving. <laughs> now, I want to just ask this question. How many men have ever felt like your wife didn't understand when you're driving. Come on, raise your hands. All right. I'm surprised there's not more men. Well, sometimes they're just afraid to raise their hands. Okay. They're not sure what that's going to do. Their, their wife might think something or whatever. It, it's amazing. He said, you know, we're going to share plenty of examples. But I have to say that this was an issue in our marriage. Well, it still can be occasionally. I was going to say that, honey. <laughs> okay. But go ahead. No, that, you go ahead. <laughs> because, and we talked about this morning, because even as we, re, re, you know, refresh this little story in our minds, we were discussing it, it's like, yeah, and my mind had all these flashbacks of how many times, you know, I'm thinking, oh, honey, you know, did you notice it went to 35 you know, speed limit signs. And I said, sometimes, honey, you see things I never see. He sees the horse over on the hillside and that. And I am looking at things that say construction ahead and reduce speed ahead and, you know, the orange signs, the white signs. And I have to be very, very honest. He's very attentive now. Well, thank you, dear. <laughs> I wondered where you were going to go with that. <laughs> It has gotten better. It has gotten better. He she, used, she used to say to me, this is a classic, we're going down the interstate, and they have these big signs over the interstate that are flashing. Construction ahead, mile marker 126. We'd go under that sign, and she would say, honey, did you see that sign? <laughs> it's like, what sign? <laughs> so... Part of the, the funniness of this story that's, that's real is that we are guilty men, often, guilty as charged, but we still want to be understood, don't we? 
I mean, we wish that she could see the whole picture, but... He told me this morning, honey, the problem is, is that before I even, I see the sign, but before I can even kind of, you know, take my foot off the accelerator and start to coast and slow down, you already are saying something about it. Ah, so that's for us as women, you know. Sometimes we are ahead of where they are because their mind is somewhere here and then, oh, oh yeah, that, I, think I, just, I think I just saw that, you know, that sign is at 35 now. So I am learning, because it's still a, a growth of grace, I am learning not to be so quick, but he has actually in times thanked me for seeing signs that he missed especially when there's a little black and white down the road with the radar set and he isn't one that gets the little flashing lights after him, somebody else. And I tell you what, this is heads up. If you ever drive through Arizona and they have a construction zone, they mean what they say. Every time we go from our little, you know, in to get our mail 30 miles away, there's a new construction zone there. They're putting a new bridge in on the interstate and every time we go into town, which is once a week, um, there is always somebody pulled off on the side and another one waiting in the, in the median because 75, 65, 55, bang, 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 like that. And if you haven't, you not only have to stop accelerating, you better be braking. Because if you're hitting that 55, still doing 65, you're going to get a double, double whammy on the other side. They wait till you drive through it, and then as soon as you get on the other side, the lights go on, and you already know your had. So we're, we're going to save all of you the potential in Arizona of getting one of those reminders. So Elaine mentioned that there was a time in our marriage, as there is in every marriage that we've ever known, that there are certain things that become uncomfortable to talk about. I love that quiet the Holy Spirit does. Everybody does it all together, too. <laughs> because we understand what this means. We, we know our own experience, okay? And I have to tell you that there were at least three areas in our early marriage that we had both learned were just better avoided. Because if we didn't avoid these conversations, it just didn't seem worth what we went through trying to get her to understand me. This message is, please understand me. I want to be understood. I want to be understood. So. The gospel helps us to understand the other person. That's right. Our adversary just wants it to be my way, me. And when we're stuck there, there are things that we can't really talk about because it doesn't go well. Well, by God's grace, we made a commitment together that there shouldn't be anything left in our marriage if we wanted to really be in love with God and with each other, that we shouldn't be able to talk about. You think that's fair? Yes. Not a great big amen on that, <laughs> but think about it, okay? I mean, why have anything in your relationship that's a no-touch zone, right? I mean, in, in the form of communication, we should be able to talk about everything 
Otherwise, if we start compartmentalizing, we then will tend to compartmentalize things that we shouldn't be, and we start to drift apart. So we made this commitment, and then it was, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a couple months later. Less than 10 days. Less than 10 days, he remembers. One of those topics came up. One of the three forbidden came up. The reason I remember (laughs) it so well is because... From what I began to understand as a husband and a Christian husband and a husband that wanted to be a real Christian. Did you follow that? We can be a husband by saying I do. We can be professing Christian husband coming into the marriage. I was. And then we can learn how to become a real Christian after we find out we're not a very good Christian. That's often what the marriage reveals. Secondarily, it's often what children reveal because they bring things out of us that we didn't think were there. But in this particular situation, the reason I remember is because one of the things God was helping me to see at this time is husbands need to be the ones that are willing to come forward in reformation in the home. You know, one of the tragedies, a little side note here, one of the tragedies of where we live today in our general Christian population, and it's even, it happens within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're not exempt from it, is that many men have dropped the ball. Many men have become so busy or so worldly or so whatever, laid back, yes, that women who have a burden for the souls of their children end up stepping forward and becoming the leaders, okay? It's just become part of the crisis of reality in today's Christianity. God is asking men to step forward and take responsibility. So we made this decision that we were not going to continue to hide from the reality of things that were difficult to talk about. So here we are. I'm prepared to lead in this. And the first time it happened, as I said, in less than 10 days, after making this commitment. Here's what the Holy Spirit prompted me to do. This is no audible voice, okay? This is the still, small voice. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. Okay, do you believe that's valid for today's Christianity? Do we have a conscience? Yes, we have a conscience. And so, we started to enter into this situation and we we don't have to tell you the whole details of it because some of it is it was very hard okay or it had been for quite a while but as we entered into this the thought that came to me the very first thought that came to me was I will never leave you or forsake you and I'll tell you why this was was encouraging to me Because when we started down this track, I opened my heart up to my wife and I said, tell me, honey, tell me what I do when this happens that makes our communication break down. Okay? How am I leading? I'm leading by being vulnerable to say, okay, so we break down every time we talk about this. Here we go. Tell me this time what I do. But what really hit me was, as soon as I gave her permission, she said, well, there are three things. 
Can you imagine that? I mean, they're on the tip of my... I, I have been actually been wanting to tell him this for quite a while, but he never gave me a chance. He was always telling me what my problem was, and I was trying to get him to understand what his problem was. That is our human nature, right? We've all done it. All right? Let's be honest. We've all done it. And so when he said that, before I said that, I, I thought, wow, this is amazing. I already knew God was working. First of all, because outside of the, the stress of the topic, okay, we made this agreement when things were good. When, when things, Which is the best time to make yeah, agreements. Having discussions about growing in your relationship, not when you're heat of problems, but when you're in the love of your relationship. And so we said, this is an area we, we want to face because we don't want anything left, left undone. And so we had this discussion when he said that to me. Wow, I, I knew God was working. And I did say, honey, there's three things. When she said <laughs> that, that, that did catch me off guard. It's like I was hoping she would say something like, oh, honey, that's so wonderful for you to <laughs> open yourself up like that. It was. Would that feel good, guys? She says, yeah, well, there are three things. And she just... Well, I, I said a little microphone. You say it in the microphone. I said, honey, there are three things. Do you, are you sure you want to know what they are? I mean, do, you, do I have permission to step forward in this conversation? And I said, yes, by faith, okay? Even though I was a little put off already, I could feel a little bit of self rising. Everybody know how self rises? You see where I am here? Adults, this is where it happens, right here. It starts there. It comes up. It comes out here. Okay. If we don't stop it somewhere from here up to here, it comes out here. And that's not good. So I said, no, go ahead. And she did. And when she began to tell me the, the first thing, all I can tell you, this is the best way I can describe it, I felt like a roaring lion wanting to come out of me instantly. That's terrible, isn't it? That's self. I mean, self does not generally manifest as a lamb. It's more like, oh, you know, and we try to bite our tongue or whatever, or we don't. But in this case, I was prepared by God for this. And the thought he gave me was, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I surrendered to that thought immediately, and it just went away. Okay? Is that good news? Is there power in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. Just like we saw in Jesus in the New Testament miracles. Is it there today? Yes. What do you think? It's kind of weak, but it's there. <laughs> It is there, and it's, maybe you've never really thought of it being there as a miracle to put self down, but it's there, and God can do it if we're willing to let him. Okay, so she, she went through that, and I was amazed that, that the self was being subdued and put in its proper place, or as the Apostle Paul says, I die daily, or how about right now? <laughs> and then she, she felt more confident it seemed. <laughs> yes. With that little thing, the, the big part of it, and then she, she started to share the second Point thing. number two. Point number two. <laughs> and as she went into point number two, I felt self-rise, but it was not nearly as intense. And the thought that came to me 
was James 1.19. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, to anger. And I just took that from the Lord by faith. And that actually felt good. I'm hearing my wife share this stuff that has always created a firestorm between us. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Working in a marriage, this is two people wanting to be understood. And as she went into the third thing, there was nothing left to rise. Because two things were happening. One is the keeping power of the gospel. The second thing was I was hearing my wife. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? It is because many men, I mean, we've been counseling marriages for the last 28 years, and one of the hardest things for women is a man who will not listen, a man who does not hear. And the second hardest thing is for a man who will not share what's in his head. Okay? That's, that's very hard on communication. By the end of this experience together, we were on to something new and exciting Amen. in our marriage. Well, it was, it was truly a miracle in both our hearts. And it was one that we both witnessed and we both felt at the same time. Because obviously you know the nonverbal aura from your spouse, right? So we can try to bite our lip or bite our tongue, but we also are very aware when, when just the body language is saying, I don't agree with you or whatever. But I saw that dissipate in him. And what was so amazing is when, when I finished my third point, and I wasn't out to be vindictive. I was just, he asked me, and I was truly sharing my heart, prayerfully sharing my heart. And when I got done, he paused for a few moments, and then he said, Honey, you are exactly right, and I understand now what, where you're coming from and why it's been so challenging to work through this, and you're right. And that was, that was huge. Now, not just because, you know, it's not a score for me because I'm right, but because of what I saw happening in him. And I wasn't out to be right. I wasn't out to, I just was sharing my perspective. But he understood that perspective and put in the context of the conflict, he saw that my perspective was more accurate than his perspective, okay? Amen. And then I said to him, so what is it in me that... I do that causes this to happen. And I was willing to hear. And I was ready to hear. And by this point, he said, how was it you said? I think it was something like, honey, I don't have anything that I need to share with you at this point. God has done this great miracle. And so we, we give you this simple example that was very, very powerful in our lives. And it hasn't just happened once. It's happened 
you know, over, over time in other instances, but it is so freeing to have this baseline in your marriage that there's nothing that we, we can't come up to and talk about and work through together. We don't have to keep saying, oh, that's, that's no good, let's put that one aside, and try every way we can to avoid it until eventually when it does come out, it's more like a volcanic eruption than just, you know, a little bit of work to understand each other. So let me share with you the commitment that we made because it can be a blessing in your marriage as well. We made a commitment based on the fact that we understood the me focus versus the us focus, which we talked about yesterday. When it's me, it's the world revolves around me, fit in. If you don't, I'm not happy. The us focus is our world with Christ, and it is making decisions that affect us. So we made a commitment to each other that if we came up to a subject or a topic or a situation that we could not come to an agreement, just sharing our perspective, listening to one another, that we, instead of going down the argument, okay, going down that I can out-talk you or I can whatever, that doesn't end well, we said at that point, we will take this discussion and we will go to God and we will be willing on our knees to know the will of our Heavenly Father. We are allies, not enemies. We are allies against a common foe, not enemies. Sometimes when we get in differences, you understand that we start feeling like Enemies, we go into our corners. That's not, that's not God's plan. And we will go, we will seek the Lord. That means that we will seek his will for us, not seek to get him to agree with me. Do you understand the practical difference there? That means we surrender ourselves to the will of our Heavenly Father, and then we go to the principles of his word, not our old way of how I was raised or how my dad treated my mom or how my mom, none of that. We go to the word of God and we find a willingness. And if you find yourself unwilling, I've been there too. <laughs> I've been plenty of times on my knees in my closet saying, Lord, I know what you're asking me to do, but I'm not willing. But I know you know that I'm not willing and I know you know that I want to serve you with my whole heart. So. Lord, I'm willing for you to make me willing. That's not a play on words. That's giving God permission to make our hearts sensitive to real surrender. And I can tell you that since that day, we've been married 37 years, we made that commitment. And God has blessed that commitment. Now, I wish I could tell you that we've never had disagreements or arguments or anything, but I can tell you that we have resolved every one of them. There is nothing in our marriage that we cannot talk about freely, and that is a gift of God. Amen. Please understand me. That's what we need. And that, that understanding is to understand the other person so that we can draw our hearts together and we become an us and not two independent me's in the relationship. That's what Isaiah 118 is talking about. Come, let us 
reason together. And that reasoning is between a husband and wife, but also between a husband and wife and God. And as my husband said, we go to the word of God because we used to get in arguments that I was sure I was right and he was sure he was right. And then we would both, you know, hold out for our position in the, in the issue. And, you know, eventually one would give or the other would give, but we didn't really find the true resolve. But what we have come to understand is when we don't agree, we go to this word and the inspired commentaries on this, as we know it to be the spirit of prophecy, and we look for those principles. And it's amazing that sometimes we are both wrong, and we've just come into the marriage with a certain view of seeing something, and I'm in here and he's over there, and you know, we don't have to have that conflict because for every true issue we face, there are guiding principles in the Word of God that will set a safe course for us if we are willing to go and, and look at those. So we encourage you to go back, not to you know hold your hold to your position, but go back and study those those topics, that topic, and see how God would have bring, how He would bring us together in that to understand each other better. So there's a basic um, thing that happens with men and women, and it doesn't always follow this rule, okay? But generally, it does. <laughs> men tend to speak more in headlines or short statements, okay? So how, how are things going? How was your day? Fine. When a woman asks that question, she generally is looking for a little bit more than a one-word answer. You know, we used to try to help our children. Please, you need to learn how to give more than a one-word answer. So my, my children would say sometimes, good, I'd say, is that G-O-O-D? And they'd look at me. Yeah, good. <laughs> and I said, well, can you explain what that word means right now? Tell me what you mean by good. So many times, women tend to talk in paragraphs, right? Okay, and so when that happens, sometimes men tune them out, which is not right, okay? And sometimes it goes as far as that you must actually decode what the woman is trying to say but doesn't want to just say, okay? You, any man here understand what I'm saying on that? Okay, you will not be held accountable for that, okay? <laughs> it's just that women, it's like a woman going, my wife will go through the store. We love to shop together. That's a work of grace, too, because I used to sit in the car and do what I called efficient work while she was shopping. Now I've come to recognize, and not always, but, but that I can be very efficient for our love by going shopping with That's my right. wife, Okay not just sitting there doing work in the car, okay? But, you know, when my wife is walking down the aisle and she says, oh, honey, aren't those flowers beautiful? Now, shall I interpret that for you? <laughs> See, I've learned. I'm learning. <laughs> 37 years. That means she would like some flowers. <laughs> And so I said to her once, now this was years ago, so give me a break on this. I said to her, honey, just tell me if you want flowers. I will gladly get you flowers. She said, honey, you don't get it. 
I don't want to have to tell you to give me flowers. Okay, guys, it's like this, okay? Yesterday we started the whole seminar going before, you know, having you bring forth those things that you loved, that you adored about your wife to be before you got married. No, but you didn't, ha she didn't have to say, oh, when you come over to see me tonight, would you please bring me some flowers? She didn't do that, right? Come on, wives, we didn't do that, did we? No. But how many times did you show up with flowers or something special because you were thinking of her? More often than you realize. And she remembers that, right? Yeah. So here's... She's never forgotten. <laughs> here's the deal. We still like it after the I do. Okay? We still like it. And I'm not a big flower person, Actually, you're more of a plant person. <laughs> yeah, more of a plant person. I called him recently from the store, 110 miles away. Uh, I wanted to buy a new tree because our tree had died, and I really wanted to get this spot in our landscaping finished out. And it needed a tree that was big enough to look like it had been there for a little while. And my mother said to me, "Honey, you're never going to get that thing in the car." I thought, "Oh yeah, you're right." And then I left, and I came back, and I just really wanted So I called him, and I said, honey, they have this tree here. And I described it to him, and he said, okay, can you get it in the car? And I says, I think so. And he says, well, then bring it home. And bless his heart, he planted it. It was, I mean, the, the bucket was big. It was a big was bucket. Pretty big, yeah. Anyway, it looks right. But so I, I, do, I do communicate with him. But women often, he's right, we often talk in paragraph form, and we use code language. Oftentimes, we really don't mean what we're saying. And the most important, one of the most important principles we can gain, and please understand me, to build communication is to say what we mean and mean what we say. Now, that's an old, old proverb, right? I mean, you've heard it rattling around for generations of time. But there's a reason why it continues to circulate, because we don't always communicate clearly. And so while sometimes women are hard on men because we ask them a question like, well, how did your day go? And they give us a one-word answer. Because women have already learned not to ask yes and no questions. We're looking for a bigger answer. But we try to ask questions that can get a bigger answer, but men have learned how to find one word that encapsulates the whole day fine or good. So we as women sometimes use words that we don't really mean. In other words, there's more in it than what we're saying, and it's really not being transparent and honest. If, if, he'll say, if he says to me, honey, I sent something, you know, it's not right, I, you know, is there anything we need? No, there's nothing. There is just nothing. There's something. <laughs> <laughs> So we have to mean what we say and say what we mean in order to build our communication and have better understanding. And using this example of seeing things from a different perspective, I said to my husband, it is not so important to me. I, it really, I mean, it, it, it is nice if you agree with me, but it's not so important to me if you agree with me. What's important to me is that I know you understand what I'm saying to you right now. Because sometimes women become desperate. We think it's just because he doesn't get it is why he's, he's being, you know, controversial about it. But it may or may not be. So sometimes women come back at it two or three times, and I think men do the same, 
because we don't really think they understand. So in, under, in that communication, things like, honey, this is what I'm hearing you say. Do I understand? Am I, am I tracking with you? Is this what you're saying? And most of the time we'll say, yeah, that's exactly right. And then I keep following him, and sometimes he'll say to me, oh, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I said, okay, I'm dull. Start all over and try me again. And that has been huge to save a lot of unnecessary conflict. Yeah, another thing that's been huge in this please understand me arena is listening with understanding. Women have been gifted, partly because of motherhood, to really listen. Men do not really listen well. Okay? We did before the wedding day. My wife said this to me. She never said it to another man. She said, you are the best male communicator I have ever communicated with in my entire life. Now, do, do men like words of affirmation? Oh, yes. I don't care what your love language is, but we like words of affirmation. That feels good. It feels like we're being loved and respected. And I loved those words because I didn't know that I was the, most, the best male communicator she'd ever been with. But you know that started to change after marriage. And it became very difficult for her and very frustrating. And then she started responding to me differently. And what's the matter with you? Why don't you communicate with me like you used to? And we came to the realization, I came to the realization that not only was I not communicating, I was not verbally communicating like I used to, but I was not listening anything like I used to. In fact, I would say things like this to my wife. She, and I don't like to admit this, but I do because there's life-changing power in the gospel of Jesus. She would say, she'd be talking to me and I would say this, in this tone of voice, you don't need to say another word. I know exactly what you're going to say. You get, the, you get this? I got it. How, how does that feel, ladies? It's shut shut down. And then I would go on to tell her just what she's thinking. Was I right? Sometimes. About 50% of the time. <laughs> That's beside the point. It was the wrong attitude. And even though I could say the words sometimes that, that I knew she was going to say, I was not understanding her heart. There's that silence again. This is something that God needed to teach me. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs in the 18th chapter in verse 13. He that answers a matter before he hears it, to him it is folly and shame. I would interrupt my wife halfway through her sentences. Not just the rudeness of that, but more importantly, the rudeness of not listening to understand her heart. And for many years now, my wife will tell you that my main objective in listening is to understand her heart and not be responding. Because here's what men are good at. Because we're short and to the point, we don't do the paragraph speaking. We're good at this. We think we know where they're going. We come back with our response 
before we've ever heard the real heart of the matter. We're good at it. No, we're terrible at it. And so God began to show me that you listen to her heart and you will have your opportunity to respond. Because now when I listen and now when I hear her heart, we have our communication is on a very level playing field. We are seeing eye to eye. We are experiencing a heart-to-heart -heart connection, which makes all the difference in the world in communication. Well, it becomes pleasurable to be together, pleasurable to communicate, very free and open to talk what's on your heart, and it's a very safe environment. And so it works both ways. And it, not only does it help him to understand me, but it also, I've seen that as we have adopted this and we've practiced it and it's become who we are in our relationship, that it's actually made him more free to share what's happening between the ears up here. And that, that was huge for me. I don't have to, you know, feel like the Gestapo asking him, you know, the 20 drill questions. He just opens his heart. He, he shares what he's thinking in the moment. And, and I like that. I like the freshness of that. I like the realness of that. I like the vulnerability of that. And so even if he's struggling, he'll say, okay, you asked me, and this is what I'm thinking right now. So I think that's really important. And the better our communication as couples, the better our marriages will be in every aspect. Every part of our marriage will reflect the unity and the... the togetherness, the harmony of communication will be reflected in all other aspects of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what makes it so beautiful. So one of the things about, say one other go thing. ahead. Just one other thing on that, just as a side note, it's not in our notes, but if you begin having this enhanced communication and your husband begins to open up and share, and he's listening with his heart to your heart, understanding where you're coming from. Don't be surprised someday if you ask your husband, like my wife asks me, so, honey, what are you thinking about? If he says, nothing. Don't be put off by that. Do you understand why, ladies? Some of you must. Men have the ability to go in neutral and just idle. <laughs> when I first tried to explain this to my wife, she said, honey, we're both medical people, okay? She said, are you telling me that you have a flat brain rate wave right now? <laughs> Intensive care nurse. I said, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I want to you. know what the wiggles are then. <laughs> okay. She said, well, that's what it sounds like. You're saying nothing. How can you be, thinking, can you nothing be thinking nothing and still be alive <laughs> with your eyes open and you're breathing and you're looking around? She said, I am always thinking, believe me, she is. Women can think of so many things at once. We call it web thinking. They can be going in so many different directions, but literally a man can actually go in neutral and just relax and not be thinking of anything, can actually be looking off there and... Be blank. <laughs> that is really hard for a woman to grasp. She never has those moments of 
of distant stare where there's just nothing occupying the thought space. So please, please understand us men, okay? Now don't make an excuse, man. I'm not one of these man cave people, okay? I need my space, but I don't need to go off and just be in my own world. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you have a man cave, but what a lot of men do in men cave, man caves is not a good thing. But try to understand that sometimes there is a blank space in a man that when it happens, it's not a negative thing. He's clearing room for other good things to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the porcupine. Can we do that? <laughs> this is... Uh, well... <clears throat> not ready for the porcupine? Well, we're going to get into it in a okay. second here. I have come to finally accept that. And there actually have been times I have been blank, and it's not because I'm trying to... I'm not thinking, it's because I'm trying to think and I'm blank and I can't get it out, what I'm trying to think of. So that happens to me. So we need to give each other freedom, okay? We, we married them because they're different, right? We married them because of all the things we put on that card yesterday and I hope you filled out the rest of it last night. Because there were things we admired and adored about one another that we fell in love with, that we trusted, that we couldn't wait to spend the rest of our lives together. So let's live our lives together joyfully in the Lord. And communication and understanding each other are so important. And if we, if we lack an un, how to understand somebody, we need to go back and read the book Desire of Ages. That, that was huge for me. Go back and look at the life of Christ. He understood people's hearts. He knew what was at the bottom, even though they were saying things that were way out here and not really apparently that relevant, but he knew the heart. And he stayed with them, and he drew on the heart. And that's what he wants us to do in our relationships because this relationship between a husband and wife models a relationship between Christ and his people, his bride. So um, that's very important. So one of the areas that will help to develop our understanding of one another is to understand how we, what love, what love looks like to us individually. There's, there's, a, te there's a book out called The Five Love Languages. Anybody read it? Let me see your hands if you've read it. Oh, quite oh, a few. Good. Now, having read it, we're going to make a big assumption that that you are practicing what you've learned in that book. And we won't have you raise your hands on that part. That's right. But I know many people have read the book and they'll say, I, I, I have no clue what my husband's love language is. Or I have no idea what my wife's love language is. Well, early in our marriage, we didn't have a clue either. And we kept missing each other. My love language, and there are five, the first, well, they're not in any order, but the order we put them in is words of affirmation. Some people, that's how they feel so loved. That's my husband. Words of affirmation. Honey, you're doing a great job. I love what you, you know, how you play with the children or whatever. Words that affirm him. That's his number one. Then there's touch. Some people feel the love through touch. Others feel it through spending time together, quality time. Some people feel loved by having acts of service done for them. Oh, I will go mow your lawn for you. I'll do this for you. Let me put that shelf up for you, honey. And that's how they feel loved. Other people feel love 
by receiving gifts. So there is a test you can do. You don't have to read the book. Actually, we've never read the book. Actually, I have read most of the book. I haven't you haven't read it. I have, or most of it. But just go to online, Google five love languages test or quiz and take it. You can do it in 30 minutes if you're a slow reader and 15 minutes if you're a speed reader. And just answer the questions. At the end, it will prioritize your love and language. don't overanalyze the questions. Yeah, don't overanalyze. But early in, before we were married, when we were becoming girlfriend and boyfriend, he liked to hold my hand. He liked to put his arm around me when we sat in church. And I, I like to hold your hand during messages too, but you always say you have to talk with two hands. I do. I do need that hand to talk. So anyway. So you don't need it right now, do you? I'll see. So anyway, after we got married, it's like I, I'm going to need that hand right now. <laughs> Sometimes I just try to make her think outside of the hand. You know, outside of the box. I just hold on to it, and she says, "No, I've got to have that." I got a demo. Okay. Oops. <laughs> so we'd sit in church, and he's like this, you know, his hands in his lap, he's all tucked in. It's like, wait a minute. Four weeks ago when we were engaged, his arm was around me. He, he had his hand, he, he pulled my hand into his hand. And, and now it's like, it's like I'm isolated, like I have some kind of a contagious disease or something, you know? <laughs> That's Making me look real good now. <laughs> That's what was starting to build up. Like, why won't he, doesn't he love me anymore? I mean, we, we discovered a new kind of love, right? The ultimate love that God gave in the intimacy of marriage. But there's a lot of love that happens before that love. And so I didn't understand what made the shift. And I didn't understand why I was so hurt by the shift. And then I finally understood that my first love language was touch. And after we got married, when, you know, the, the public attention, or the public expression, the kosher expression. I'm just giving you public expression. <laughs> That's good, dear. Was lessened, I felt less loved. And I didn't know how to communicate because I didn't realize what was happening. So that was, that was very insightful for us. And because my love language wasn't being hit on target, his love language being words of affirmation, all those wonderful things I told him before I married, somehow my language changed towards him and I started finding things that I didn't like. And I started telling him what I didn't like and what he wasn't doing right. And sometimes not only did I say it, but I said it in a very unkind way with maybe some sarcasm, cynicism, maybe intensity in the voice, all of which was killing our love. So find out your love language and build on that. Now, we're not just one thing. We're a combination, okay? But it's important for us to, un if we understand the other person, is to know how to reach them in their love language. So now I'm very... Verbose, maybe I don't know if that's too strong of a word. Yeah, you're not verbose. Well, very expressive. That's right. Very expressive of little things that are expressions of affirmation towards my husband. That you don't have to make up. That I don't make up. That's no. important. You can't make it up. It's, it doesn't work. Okay. That's right. So we just an example. Hope this isn't too raw, but anyway, 
we travel an awful lot, so we're in beds, different beds, all the time. And some beds are really nice, and some beds aren't so nice. And sometimes humanity wants to complain a little bit when the bed isn't so nice. And I was tempted to do that, and then I said to my husband, I said, any bed that has you is the best bed, and I love being in it. It's comfortable. Okay? So that was just a little expression, just off the top of my head, it was said a few days ago, to express to my husband another aspect of how important he is to me. And use that, using that as an example. So anyway, you can talk about porcupines. Yeah. Well, if, this is a good lead-in. It leads into it nicely because if you come to know those love languages, and we, we're not trying to put too much emphasis on that. This is just an, kind of an ancillary kind of, you know, out there. But it's, it's very good. helpful. It's a tune in instead of being tuned out. But if you come to know the love languages, it can help you in difficult situations. And one of the things that happened to us early in our marriage, um, as, as my wife was alluding to there, is that our communication started breaking down and we went into what we now call the fatal cycle. And that fatal cycle means that we Okay, thank you. So that's not on my notes, but it was a part of lead into that in my thoughts. But anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But that fatal cycle leads you in the wrong direction, totally in the wrong direction. It puts distance between you. And one of the things that used to happen when we were not connected, we went through some very, very difficult things in our early marriage. And when we were not connected, my wife would say something like this to me. Now, it wasn't something like this. It was just like this. <laughs> I told you I was, could be sarcastic sometimes. Well, no, she just said, just leave me alone. I said, okay. Because we're trying to talk through something, but it's not going well. So just leave me alone. So, I defaulted to what I had seen in my dad. Now, my mom and dad had a great marriage, very secure home. But when things went wrong, on occasion, my dad would go outside and busy himself in a project that needed to be done. If there was no project that needed to be done, he would create one. <laughs> I defaulted that. We are either destined to break the cycle Okay? Break the cycle, or we often just consciously or unconsciously slip into the cycle. All right, so that wasn't a real bad thing, but that's what I saw, and that's what I would do. And so I would go outside, and I would just leave. Not leave her, but just go outside and leave her alone. She wants to be alone. But I wasn't content, and she wasn't content, and neither of us were, were ever content just leaving ourselves where we were because marriage is meant to be the best representation of how Christ loves the church, loves his family, loves his people. So I said, Lord, you know, what would you have me to do? And this is good to pray like this privately. Lord, what do you want me to do? And the thought that I had over and over again, again, no verbal voices, just in that still, small voice speaking to the heart, which if you will be still and know that he is God, 
He will commune with you in the quietness of your thoughts as you open your heart to him and surrender. And so the thought that came to me is that when she's wanting you to go away, it's one of those encoded statements. She's confused. She's upset. She feels hurt. She wants you to love her. She wants you, in fact, to hold you. And my thought was, how do you hug a porcupine? <laughs> I mean, that's honestly what I thought. At the time we lived in Montana, there were porcupines. <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> and so, it's by faith. <laughs> and it is because you love this person and you want to love her better. The next time this happened, this is, I'm just sharing from our hearts how things happened in our own home. The next time this happened, the Lord called to my heart. This is the way. See, I can do it this like this. I see that. This is the way. <laughs> Walk in it. And by faith, I did. And when she told me, everything inside of me wanted to go outside and get in a project. Everything inside of me. Wanted to just, okay, you don't want me to be around? See you later. L let me know when you want me to come back into your life. <laughs> but I didn't do that. By God's grace, I went over to my wife, and I put my arms around her. And she resisted me for about three seconds. <laughs> Not with a real strong resistance but about three seconds, and then she just relaxed into my arms. I put all the quills away. She put all the quills away. <laughs> that was the promise that I felt God was giving me, that if you can hug this porcupine, the quills will go away. And they did. And ever after, I knew this was a way of escape, not running to a project about running to truly minister to the heart of my wife on the deeper level that she needed. Mm -hmm. And again, sometimes we as wives say the opposite of what we really want and what we really mean. Like, just leave me alone. No, I didn't want to be left alone. I wanted him to take me in his arms. I wanted him to love me. But I couldn't say it because I wanted it to be of his own desire. But when he, when, when he was communing with God and God said, go on there and love your porcupine, that's <laughs> me, love your wife, hold her in your arms, we've been able to talk about that. And I said, that's exactly right. He says, you mean all these years? It hasn't happened that often, but when you tell me to leave you alone, you really want me to come and hold you? And I said, yes. And he says, well, why didn't you just say it? <laughs> Too proud to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that's, I don't know, women are... The old term is fickle, but I don't know if that would be quite the right term. But anyway, we women need to be honest about our feelings. And, you know, instead of having expectations and then getting our feelings hurt because he doesn't measure up and he just doesn't get it, just tell him. Sometimes we have to tell them what what would minister to us. And again, this is why it's so important to have daily communication. We can be sharing those things, not in the context of conflict or, or the emotional need of it. We can just be sharing as a matter of growing closer together. So when those times 
pop up now and then, we have now communicated about that. There's an understanding, and we both have the opportunity to move into that relationship in the right way. So do you want to understand the one that God has placed by your side? What do you think? Yep. Is it possible? Is it hard sometimes? Yes. <laughs> Is God's grace available to us? All the time. All the time. God wants to work in each of us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Our part is to be willing to cooperate. Our part is to be willing to say yes even when self begins to surge inside of us. One question that came in today. So here it is. In terms of open communication between husband and wife, having no secrets, how do you deal with the following issue? The husband is an extremely busy man. He's a surgeon. He's the head elder. He's a school board chairman, as well as on various church and work committees. Given that he's sworn to confidentiality on all of these, how do you have an open relationship with a man like that? Okay, that's a very good question. There's a, two parts to this question. One that wasn't specifically asked, how do we have an open relationship with someone who is sworn to secrecy on all these things? Well, you can still have an open relationship with that man about everything else in his life that matters to your home and marriage. That's right. Okay? That's not relative to the church board. That's not relative to HIPAA laws. That's not relative to what happens at the school board. Okay? Mm -hmm. That needs to happen, and that needs to happen by design because here's a man who's very responsible and takes his responsibilities seriously. But then I, I want to assume, but maybe shouldn't assume, that he takes the first work of the home very seriously. Inspiration, along with the Bible, tells us that the home is the first mission field. It has never changed through time, and it won't change in eternity. This is our first mission field. So maybe what some of the communication needs to happen is Sometimes we men, and I was one of them, that's why I can speak very simply to this. I was a man that was trying to answer every beckoned call that I believed was God calling me. And what ended up happening was I was answering every other call and I began to lose the time to have with my God. Meaningful time. When we are so busy doing God's work that we have no time for God, we have begun to be too busy. God never does that. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so sometimes what has to happen is we have to honestly, and a husband and wife in this case, have to sit down together and talk about how real life looks. Because I'm old enough now, and I've sat with enough men in the ministry we've been doing for 28 years. I've had men in their 60s, 70s, and 80s sit in our home with tears running down their faces 
that I did everything to provide them a good education. I did everything to provide them a home. I worked faithfully in my church. I worked faithfully at my job. And they, they did everything. And he said, the only thing I didn't do faithfully that I never wanted to miss. And all three of my children told me, Father, all we wanted was you. And we never had you. And the tears were just pouring down his face. So, this is a wake-up call. It's not a wake-up call to say that what this, what's happening here is wrong in any way, shape, or form. It means that maybe this is an out-of-balance situation. And the only way we know that is that this communication isn't happening as it should. If there's no time for family worship morning and evening, and there's no time. And see, these are things I'm building into this because we hear this all the time. Go no ahead. Okay. We need to be able to talk about that together as husband and wife. We need to count the cost, and we need to see if it's time to reorder the priorities of life. Because our children grow up very quickly. It's not just about children. The wife wants That's that right. time, too. And obviously by the question. Yes. Yeah. Because she, she can be just as much desirous of that time as that's well right. as, as for the children. Certainly if there's children in the home, that's even magnifying it. But I'd also like to add to this, because uh, we have, I have said on church boards and things, and some of those things, they're not confidential. And so what you can share within the, the context or within the relationship, the two shall be one. Right. Now, we're not saying go out and tell everything you learned in the church board meeting or the decisions made, but there's, the church board meeting should never divide the unity between a husband and wife. Amen. It should never be the knife that severs their communication or HIPAA or anything else. These, these two people are one in the sight of God. They share the same purpose, the same goals, the same mission, the same love. And so there are things, I think sometimes it becomes uh, a little bit of a, an excuse or maybe an escape because it's just easier not to say, well, I can't tell you that, I can't tell you that, I can't tell you that. Then if you really can't, then you say everything else you can say about other things. Leave the church board out of it. That happens once a month. The school board happens once a month. That leaves an awful lot of time for husband and wife to communicate. If we do not intentionally communicate, we will unintentionally start losing good, healthy communication. So do what we can to build that communication. Focus it on your relationship and plan together, you know, dream together, pray together, move forward together in your love and in your relationship and then broaden that to your family and then on. So it's a little bit of a long question. I mean, long answer to a question, but a very important one because everybody has their reasons. They don't have to always be on school board or church board. They can be numerous other reasons. And we need to make our love and our marriage the right priority under God. That's the first mission is this relationship. He instituted it at the beginning, and he wants the, to not, not to fail, but to be the institution that can be the witness for his kingdom. Oh, Lord, thank you for the one that you've given us to be by our side. We know the enemy of our souls hates this sacred relationship. He hates a happy marriage. The world is turning against 
marriage today in such obvious ways. Well, Father, may we be faithful first to you and then to the one who you've given to stand by our side. May we stop making the excuses and just wanting to be understood myself, but that we would allow your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to understand one another as we understand your will more fully in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.